good to see you this fine Sunday morning. And for all of you viewing us online, good morning to you. While you sip your coffee in your pajamas. That's all right. Just tell me good morning. Hallelujah. Good to see you. All right. Praise God. For those of you who are first-time visitors, I am the co-pastor of this church, Pastor Trish Gregory. Pastor Gregory and I on the last week had uh, parental duties, so um, I do invite you to come back and, the, and receive from the anointing that's on our pastor, the lead pastor of this house, the angel of this house, amen. I mean, plus he's good to look at too, at least to me. So I invite you to come on back, but in the meantime, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me something that'll be a blessing to you and that will charge you. Listen, you know, I, I, we just came off of the spirit-filled believer. How many of you just, that was a blessing? That was so good. To, I mean, that was so good to me. And, you know, not that I hadn't heard most of it before. Some of it was new. Some of it was revelation, or some of it dug a little deeper. But it was still really, really good. And I was encouraged to see how many people instantly, just how gracious the Holy Spirit is, how many people, 15, 18, 22 people being filled with the Holy Spirit instantly, receiving the gifts of speaking in tongues instantly. He ain't withholding nothing from y'all, from us, amen? So it was a blessing to see. How many of you have been charging yourself up and, and building yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit? Praise God. And from then, we just dove right on in to connect to health. We go from spirit-filled believer to connect to hell. I tell you, we, that right there in, the, in that span of time, we covered the full spectrum of God's awesome creation. You know, how many of you know God is the God not just of our spirit, but he's the God of our body too. And he wants to be involved in every aspect of who we are. In fact, first... Uh, Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20 says know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit which are God's therefore glorify God and your spirit and your body which are his and there's this thing in the middle called the mind he made us free moral agents so we have to make up our mind to do such thing which is why he charges us amen alright so we're going to what I'm going to do is sort of pick us up kind of on both topics the spirit filled believer as well as being connected to health being our best selves in our bodies and that is we're going to talk about well you know what no let me back up how many of you made wrote out some goals both as a spirit filled believer and both as a for your body how many of you made out some goals don't be scared no, no come on Y'all like, I did, but I didn't really do them. How many of you set out for some goals? You're going to pray more. You're going to practice praying in the spirit. You're going to be more aware of God's presence. You're going to eat right. How many of you really tried to do that keto thing? You notice I said try it. <laughs> Amen. I tell you. Well, anyway, I'll say that. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to share a sentiment that Paul shared with the church of Philippians, but I'm going to change it up to Patricia Gregory, speaking to Linked Up Church. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 in the Amplified. I'm going to make this sentiment to you all. 
sincerely from who I am, even though it's Paul's words. I'm going to change it up a little bit. Is that all right? So are you all in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6? All right. Now, if you are following along, I encourage you to go to the YouVersion Bible app, go to the events tab, press linked up church, and notes are there for you. And I encourage you, I didn't put a whole lot of notes in there this time, because I want to encourage you all to take your notes. We get to get, got to get back to you all recording and learning some things and being intentional. So this is the way I would verse Philippians 1.6 in the uh, Amplified. Now, I am almost convinced and mostly sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you should be able to continue until the day of Jesus Christ right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Now, is that really what it says? See, Paul is certain, but I believe I'm on assignment today, and I put those, uh, those wavering words in there because one of the things that I always get, and I struggle with myself, is that when I'm hearing something good, I'm charged up in a moment, I'm inspired, I'm geeked, I'm like, let's do this thing. I set out some goals. I might even write it down. I'm geeked. I'm about to pray more. I'm about to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. Not. <laughs> I'm going to get in the closet. Whatever, I'm going to eat nothing but vegetables and, and raw food. Not. <laughs> but the common thread, I think, for humanity has always been this thing called commitment. Commitment. See, Paul said he was confident about this with the Philippian church because they had almost already demonstrated for years their commitment to him. They sent him support. They sent up prayers. They proclaimed the gospel. They were being persecuted as, as a church. Whatever they heard, they would turn around and do. So he has seen this consistent commitment of their faith. And now he's in prison all the way in Rome, and he's hearing word about how zealous they've continued to be. And he says, I'm convinced now. I, I know that you are going to see this thing to the very end, and I, I rejoice about it, and I pray for you always, and it comforts my heart. But I'm going to say to Linked Up Church, just by the response, and, and, and I'm just me being honest to my, with myself, can I say that about myself? Can I say that I'm convinced that I'm going to see this very thing to the end? One of the things we struggle with, like I said, is commitment. See, there's this thing in the middle that can muddy up everything. There's this thing in the middle that muddies up everything. And it's found in Romans chapter 7. How many of you know who Paul is in the Bible? Paul was the apostle, the, a disciple of Christ. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is a man that went bonkers. He went bananas. He went all out for Jesus. I mean, and he was like, you know what? But he was a converter. He wasn't there with Jesus while he was active in his ministry, but he encountered Jesus in his resurrection. And Paul was just known for being just the man. The man, because he started out persecuting the church. He stood by and collect their garments while they were being beaten. And so, if anybody that the Holy Spirit would trust 
to pen two-thirds of the New Testament and preserve it for over 2,000 years for our learning and our encouragement. Don't you think this man pretty much has it together? Wouldn't you think that if all people he's consistent? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think of all people he was committed? It's not a trick question, like for real. Well, let me tell you what he struggled with. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 18 is where I'll start in the Passion Translated because ma it makes it plain right here. This is God's man. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the man who planted uh, 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 some powerful churches. This is the man who was instrumental in getting the gospel spread throughout the entire Middle East. This is the guy who was responsible for making sure that it hedged its way into Rome. This is the man responsible for making sure that many of believers heard this thing, this gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the man that charged and developed many other leaders that went on, and we are honestly spiritual products of those people's works. But listen to what he says in Romans chapter 7, verse, starting in verse 18. For I know, this is Paul speaking, that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. The longings to do what's right are within me, but willpower is not enough to accomplish it. He says, my lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do that thing that I want to avoid. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it, but it's the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from doing being who I really am. Through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Like, for real, for real. But I discern another power still operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. What an agonizing situation I'm in. So, who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? He says, I give all my thanks to God, for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. And what is God's righteous principles? One of them is his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Because see, in this thing that he refers to called the law, it's either all or nothing. I get it all right, but if I mess up in one, then I messed up in it all. And oftentimes that's how we, in our humanity, and this is, this is what this is about, us identifying how law-driven we really are. Because, see, a lot of times we set out goals. We say we're going to pray for an hour, and we fall asleep after five minutes. And we count ourselves as have failed. We say we're going to eat uh, uh, all these vegetables, and we're not going to eat any sweets. This happened to me for real. This happened to me for real. On that last Sunday that Dr. Colbert was here, we had a meeting. And I just said, I'm going to commit. I'm going to recommit because, you know, I've done it before. I'm going to recommit. I'm going to eat right. That's how I came to church on Sunday. 
I heard the both messages of Dr. Don Colbert, and I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We had that meeting after service, and that doggone Mama Jennifer Greenwood cooked them biscuits. <laughs> and then I found out we still had honey left in the pantry and the butter, just like Satan, was right there on the table. Oh, this wretched man! <laughs> oh, this flesh of mine. And I said, I'll start on Monday. So listen, we're going to talk about this thing called commitment, because I think we've made it something. We've made consistency. We've made commitment. We've made our goals. We've made uh, our uh, desires a little bit more complex and a little bit more difficult than God ever intended it to be. See, if it's a desire within your heart, then then most often, in most cases, if it aligns with the will of God and you can find it in his word, then it came from him. And so he says that he will accomplish that thing which he placed within you. So if he says he accomplishes it, but we fail, then what's the disconnect? And it's this thing called law. It's this thing called perfection. It's this thing that we idealize in our definition of commitment. And we're going to just cross some bridges. We're going to kick over some cows, and we're going to explore some truths. Is that okay? So now, finally, the foundation scripture. This is the foundation scripture. This is what I want you to write, type, thumb up in your notes, whatever you got to do. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 in the message. This is near and dear to both Pastor Gregory and my heart. It says here, Paul again, he's still speaking in this letter that he's writing to the Philippian church. And he says, I'm not saying, now mind you, he just got through giving the whole laundry list of all of his accomplishments. The whole laundry list of what sacrifices he's made for the gospel. He's given the whole, the whole itinerary of what he's done to spread the good news and how accomplished he says or he believes he should feel. But then he says this, after all that he's done successfully, while he sits in this prison writing to the Philippian church, he says, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision, and you'll see it yet. Now that you're on the right track, let's stay on it. See, I don't care what it is, what, what commitment you're dealing with. If you started out on a goal or a track, and, and you wanted to commit to this, marriage, bringing your children up in a certain way, school, education, Careers, business, losing weight, living a, living a healthy lifestyle, receiving your healing and walking in it, renewing your mind, being delivered from family curses, it's going to require you to be focused 
and committed. But see, we think just because we make a mistake, we lost the commitment. We failed in that commitment. No, you just identified another way you got to, something else you got to do to keep the commitment. But by no means is it a failed commitment. Now, so the question is, how do I be committed? How do I stay consistent? How? How do I keep doing that good thing when that evil thing is there to sabotage me? How do I arrest my flesh when I need to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and not press the snooze button? How do I resist chocolate cake in the midst of that luncheon and I'm trying to do what's right? How do I not go off on my spouse when they just did the very thing that they know irritates me? How do I not lose it in the parking lot when someone just snatched up the space I just waited five minutes for? Let's start here. This is the answer to this question. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to give you a whole, whole lot of scripture so that you can go back and do this on your own. Meditate on this and ask Holy Spirit, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for Carrington? What does this mean for Michael? What does this mean for David? What does this mean for Kevin? What does this mean for Laquanda? Here's, so here's Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around in life and place it for, before God as an offering. You see, that song wasn't just a song. Everything you do should be a worship to God. So when you want to pick up that cigarette, just remind your, ask yourself, am I worshiping God? When you want to go off, ask yourself, am I worshiping God? After a while, it'll start checking you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit right into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level. God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. In the King James Version, he says to, that we must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we have to let go of what we're comfortable with and step over until what might be obscure and uncomfortable. Someone precious to me, she's made a statement, and, you know, <laughs> I have forgotten about it, but sometimes we get used to the crazy that we know. Instead of the thought of having to deal with the crazy that we don't know. But you might not know whether it's crazy or not. So, we're going to talk about the biblical attitudes of successful people. Biblical attitudes of successful people people. Now, all of us have successes within our own rights, but there are biblical attitudes, and I don't care who they are. If they succeeded, they had, I mean, even if they succeeded in evil, there were some biblical attitudes that they had in it. 
Oh, did I just mess with you? There are evil people that are successful. Listen, don't get it twisted. The principles in the earth are in the earth. It's not some magical hovering of fogs resting over just Christians. There are evil, unrighteous, heathen people who are very successful. And they employed biblical principles. They employed biblical attitudes. They just used it for evil. How can God let that happen? See, God don't own this earth. I mean, he owns it, but he's not in control. He's only in control when we give him control. And in fact, Luke talks about how there are children of darkness who are wiser than children of light because they employ biblical principles without apprehension. It's in Luke. All right? So the difference is that we're anointed to walk it out in Christ. We start. He finishes. We just have to keep, keep going. So now, biblical attitudes of successful people. Number one, what is your goal today and who are you doing it for? What is your goal today and who are you doing it for? Really quickly, if you have pen and paper, write it down. If you have your devices, thumb it up. Write down your top three goals. Write down your top three goals. I don't care if you're 20. I don't care if you're going on 200. You ought to have three goals. Type up, record, write down your top three goals. I'm waiting on you. Online. You don't have to share it. Just slide the screen over, pull up your notes section, and type up your top three goals. Ain't gotta, don't, don't get deep on me. Don't get all spiritual. You know, it's okay to type, type up in church that one of your top three goals is to lose 20 pounds. It's okay. It's okay. So then, right after that, I want you to type up what scripture you're standing on for those three goals. Mm. Mm. Mm -mm. Don't go looking for nothing. <laughs> don't go over to the Bible app. If you don't remember the address, the book and chapter and verse, just write down the quote. Come on, and don't say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> too often we want things and we want it from the outside in instead of from the inside out. And sometimes we want things not for the right reasons. First, I mean Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 he says, and whatsoever you do in word or in deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So what's left after word and deed? Whatever you do, whether it's in word and deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. What's left after word and deed? 
What's left after word? That covers pretty much everything, doesn't it? Does it? Whatsoever you do, whether it's in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. There is something left in, after word and deed that he left off, which is why he wrote this, and that's thought. He's charging you, man, woman, young person, in your thinking, in your processing, in your mind, and in your will, and in your emotions, be mindful that whatever you do, whether it's what comes out your mouth or whether it's something that you're doing, do it in the name of Jesus. So it's this inward person that has to align ourselves with what the scripture says to make it happen. So when we do those things, now when we're aware that I'm not just doing this because I want to do it, I'm not just doing this because it feels good, I'm not just doing this because I want the results, I'm not doing this because it makes me look good, I'm not doing this because of six, seven digits, I'm doing this because it is an act of worship. I'm doing this because God is watching. I'm doing this because I believe he's placed this on his, my heart. I'm doing this because I believe it's purpose. Show that picture, that first picture of shoes. Y'all like, what that ain't impressive. Show the next picture. Can y'all tell what that might be? That's a, that's a bathroom in Nordstrom's mall, Nordstrom's department store. Let me tell you a quick story. Last Christmas, we did one of, the favorite, one of my favorite things, and that is, y'all so wrong. <laughs> we traveled, man. Traveled. Y'all don't know me. We decided to go see, spend some time with uh, our spiritual parents, the Prices. So we, for Christmas, we went over to California. And you know, one of our favorite places to go was the Grove. And we went to the Grove and, and of course, yes, I did stop at Nordstrom's. Because my daughter wanted to. <laughs> ah. And so, of course, while we were there, we had to go to the restroom. We find the restroom, and you know, Nordstrom's, that Nordstrom's has a ladies' lounge and then the restroom area. And we walked in, I looked, right there, you see the door right there, right? The handle to the door on the far left side of the picture? And you see that, that, that hand right there, that person standing right there? When we walked in, there was a line. And so, uh, <laughs> I made it up further in the line, I was like, shoes, what's these shoes? What's going on with these shoes? Who just left their shoes right here? And so it was at that, uh, right before I got to that place in the line that I went back to find out what was going on in the lounge area. And I didn't want to take a picture of her because it was her sacred time. And even though I don't believe her God, this is what she was doing. You can't tell in the mirror, you got to really zone in, but you'll see a lady in the corner of that lounge bent over on her knees praying. And so I saw that and I couldn't, I didn't want to take a picture of her so I took a picture of her shoes. At Nordstrom's Mall, Nordstrom's department store, she goes into the women's lounge at whatever hour of the day. She takes off her shoes and consecrated that ground as holy ground. Got down on her knees and she was loud. She did not care. I couldn't understand what she was saying. But she was committed to her God. She was committed to her prayer time. 
because she realized it wasn't about her. It was about her God. And my daughter said, wow, that's commitment. Now, of course, he's with us all day, every day. But wow, what would it be like if we were like, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? Everywhere I walk, because I am the seed of Abraham, wherever my feet trod is holy ground. It must prosper. What if we had the attitude that I'm so committed to you that I am aware of your presence, whether I'm at Nordstrom's in California or whether I am at the loading dock on the train trail? What are your goals? And who are they for? If they're just for you, okay. That means there's an end. But if they're for God, it has the promise with it of prosperity and eternal life. Even in the simple things. See, losing 20 pounds might be a goal, but when it's committed to God, it's living a healthier lifestyle. The 20 pounds will come with it. To... Become a millionaire might be a goal, but you'll become a millionaire once that bank statement says a million, and then what? But see, when it's committed to God, then you understand that I'll prosper in whatever I do, and, I, and everything I do is committed unto God, so therefore I will obey him in my covenant of tithing. I will pay attention and acknowledge him in my financial exchanges, and he'll lead my path in a way in which it should go, and he'll prosper with whatever I put my hands to. The million will come. In fact, it'll exceed that. Yes. So what is the goal today? And oftentimes we make the mistake of making this big goal, you know, million dollars, uh, 20 pounds. But see, we set ourselves up for failure when we do that. This isn't in the notes. Just take, jot this down. What is your goal today? 20 pounds in six months can be better broken down to one to two pounds this week. Saving for a house in three years might be good, is good, but let's start by saying, I'm going to save 10% every paycheck. Yes. Receiving healing from sickness and disease is good, but let's start by saying, I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to spend my time in prayer, and I'm going to eat right. And when we chop it up into bite-sized pieces, we develop a lifestyle. And before, the lifestyle manifests fruit. That's just God's way. Didn't he say he's not withholding any good thing from any of his children? He seeks and he's long. He searches all day long who he can show himself strong to. It's just that we count ourselves out because we failed in this one little thing. We didn't quite get up, you know, at 5.30 like we thought or... I ate that biscuit, so the whole day is gone. I may as well go and enjoy it, right? So, what is your goal today, and who are you doing it for? He says, commit your ways to him, and he'll bring it to pass. Now, you know, and, and the who are you doing it for, sometimes we end up doing it for 
you know, all too often we have great goals and aspirations, desires, but we set out to do it for not good reasons, to impress others, pride. If your guy don't like ugly, you'll see. And wrong motive. How many of you have been anything like me? You can't, like, God, I need you to show them. I need you to be the God of Elisha. Show them that they wrong. Rain down fire and brimstone on them. I can't wait till Jesus returns so that you can see that you wrong. Am I the only one that's done that? David says it like this in Psalms 138, verse 7 and 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou wilt stretch out forth thy hand against the wrath of my enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hand. David said, even though I mess up, I know you still perfecting that which concerns me. Even though I made a mistake, I know you're still with me. Even though I didn't reach the goal, I know you won't forsake me. Even though I, 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 even though I know I ought to be dead, I thank you for your mercy is ever with me. Number two, are you interested or are you committed? Are you interested or are you committed? See, all too often we have goals and we have aspirations and we have dreams only to find out that we're just interested. See, interest is just that, and that would be nice to have. It would be nice to have 3,000 square feet, four bedrooms, three and a half baths, a full basement, and a three-car garage. It would be nice to have, but you know, no one in my family has ever owned a house, so it's a far off. I'm interested, but because it seems a far off, I'm not very committed. But if it happens, I'm going to receive it. But I'm not committed. I come from old school bringing up. My daddy was one of those fathers that said, you don't take nothing for nothing. You make sure you have skin in the game, therefore you're treated right. So my father was that, we struggled. We were, I mean, we, were, we struggled in the beginning because my father refused to take state aid. He refused, I'm, I'm a grown man, my hands work and my feet work. We, I will work and we will figure it out. It took some time while we was borrowing or taking leftover uh, government cheese, while we was receiving leftover. We was taking the hand-me-downs of people who were receiving the hand-me-downs. <laughs> How does that look? He won't apply for food stamps, but we taking food from people who do. But anyway, praise the Lord. In, my, in his mind, we wasn't taking it. We was just, you know, they, we were receiving it. We weren't asking for it. <laughs> when you're committed, you understand that you need to have skin in the game. When you're committed, you understand that it's grit required. You, re you understand there's sweat off of your brow that's required. See, whenever we, I, I, my husband will tell you, my husband is very benevolent. He's very giving. I mean, he is he is a pastor to the point that it gets on my nerves sometimes. He, he always want to give, have y'all, we, we giving away a lot. I'm going to tell y'all, I'm going to give y'all everything we be giving y'all. I don't sometimes. I'm like, 
Because I know people don't tend to not appreciate things that was given to them. My kids, you want some food? You, sometimes I'm like, oh, you want to eat? I just did this to my son. You can't eat until you clean up your room. He's like, that's child abuse. <laughs> I said, well, you just can't eat my food. You can cook yourself some food. <laughs> I mean, I let him eat. Don't you go write no defects. <laughs> Put up that picture of the Marines. I love this. I saw this billboard and I was like, this is everything. We don't accept applications, only commitments. See, for a military person, when you sign up, the thought of war and death is in your mind. Many people sign up hoping that it never comes to that and pretty sure that they'll be able to bypass that, but the thought of war and death is in your mind. And when you sign that line and you fulfill boot camp, you made a commitment. Some people do get in there and they realize, oh, this ain't the commitment I meant to make. <laughs> Start talking about, I got flat feet. <laughs> I have acid reflux. <laughs> I deal with migraines. But those that stay four, five, six, seven careers understand that I'm making a commitment Reminds me of this story I overheard, I heard somebody share. And they were talking to the boy, and the boy was like, why is it so hard for me to get good grades? Talking to his father at breakfast, and his father said, well, you're not committed. I'm not committed, what do you mean? He says, well, what are you eating there? He says, I'm eating eggs and bacon. He says, you're eating eggs and bacon. He says, yeah. He says, see, you need to be more like the bacon and not like the eggs. He said, daddy, what you talking about? He said, see, the chicken made a contribution to your breakfast, but the pig made a commitment. It was all or nothing. <laughs> and so you want to do homework when we tell you to do homework. But see, when you're committed, that becomes a priority. So again, you have to ask yourself, are you interested or are you committed? Number three, lose weight. Lose weight. But when you see this picture here, put this picture here up, the next picture. Who do you think of right there? What, do you, what, what comes into your mind right there? A homeless person. A lot of baggage. When you see someone with a lot of baggage, you instantly default that he's homeless. He was, he's without shelter. He's without protection. He has everything he owns with him, and he takes it wherever he goes. But it saddens you, doesn't it? It hurts your heart if you're compassionate. Well, all too often, we take emotional baggage with us wherever we go. And we're, 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 we're lugging it through life, not realizing that it's weighing us down, but not realizing that what we're saying to ourselves and those around us is that I don't have a spiritual resting place. I don't trust God enough to let it go. 
I don't have a spiritual shelter. So I have to bring this baggage along because I don't trust people because of what my daddy wasn't or was. I don't trust men because of what my ex-husband did to me. I don't trust women because of what my ex-wife did to me. I'm brokenhearted because life has left me desolate. My family is broken. My dysfunction is dysfunctional. So we take this baggage through life, attitude, defense, defenseful, defensive, just negative energy, always asking somebody what, what, what you really about, having to test people, playing games, amen, trying to see if they play the game the way you play the game. talking about commitment. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 in the Message Bible and I'm wrapping up right here. Do you see what this means? Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 in the Message. All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans, veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who began, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your face, Go over that story again and again and again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your very soul. See, you haven't been so anguished that you sweat blood. You haven't taken the lashes of nine the cat of nine tails. You haven't taken the lashes of chips of wood and glass and nails and metal on your back. But see, not even 400 years ago, you have witnesses that did. A thousand years ago, you had saints that did. Two thousand years ago, you had a savior that did. You have it easy. We have it easy. There is no reason and no excuses for you to not walk in the fullness of what God has called you to walk in. In fact, Revelation says that he will not judge the righteous according to their sins. He doesn't. He'll judge you according to what you accomplished in faith for him. You will be judged on the promises that you left on the table. Do you realize that? So that business that keeps ebbing in you, but you're too scared to step out because your excuse is I don't have money to start. You made your excuse bigger than God. That healing of a broken heart and letting go of having the last word and being in control because you don't want to look weak, you made that more righteous than God. There's been times I have to admit, I've made my way 
more perfect than God. There's even been times, let me just make it simple. There's been times where chocolate cake had more power than the word of God. But nevertheless, he is righteous, just, and true. And he says, I don't care what you did. I am committed to perfecting that which concerneth you. I took it to the cross. So I ask yourself, take this inventory. A, are people holding you back? Are people holding you back? My family didn't do it. No one in my family did something like this. I don't know how to do something like this. I can't be a great father. I didn't have a father. I can't be a great mother. My mother was terrible. Huh? B, is time holding you back? I'm too young. I'm too old. I just got through watching an infomercial of this 21-year-old dude who just made his first $250,000. He asked his daddy for $10,000. His daddy was able to come with it, come up with it by remortgaging the house, and he started doing what he started doing. And he just made, just turned 21, and he celebrated by bringing his daddy his bank statement. Come on now. I don't know if he's saved or not, but listen, I just know this. If he's not saved, if the unrighteous can do it, how much more can the righteous? <laughs> Colonel Sanders didn't get started until he was in his 60s. Come on now. Some of y'all just retired, not realizing that you just got started. You just learned a little enough, enough of something to get started. C, is fear holding you back? Is fear holding you back? You will always fail in your fear. You will always fail in your fear. Always. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Fear of what? Fear of success? Fear of what somebody else might say? Fear of how they might act? That which is holding you back, you've made it to be more powerful than the power of God. And just know this, when you decide today, I pray that you decide today to make some changes and to make some commitments towards goals that's been hidden in your heart, some things that you know God has been dealing with you about. And you're going to make decisions to put some skin in the game, to make some sacrifices. And then someone, the enemy's going to put someone on assignment to say, you changed. Oh, you acting brand new. Progress does not happen without change. Because if you was the same, guess what? You'd be the same. So yeah, you're brand new. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. From the inside out. You'd be accused of doing all kinds of things. But just know that no one accused anybody more than the enemy accused Jesus. He had an entire city, an entire empire against him. And if he can endure it, he says, what is this simple affliction that you're facing? Because I paid the ultimate price. So that's part one. What are those goals and who are you doing it for? Are you interested or are you committed? 
and what baggage do you have to unload? Listen, Pastor Gregory and I, we're committed, we're passionate, and we're called to your victory. But see, we know and understand that we get too comfortable in comfort. And I'm here today to just make you feel very uncomfortable in your comfort zone. Amen. Amen. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the power of your spirit. So right now, I put a demand on your word to accomplish that which you set out to accomplish. Pierce the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, anyone within the sound of my voice, online and in this building, that if they do not know Jesus, Savior, Lord, Son of the living God, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who loves us enough to perfect that which concerns us. I pray that you'll bring them forward and create your harvest. Or if those that are here and their Father, outside of your will, they've received you, they're Christians, they believe you, you've received them, but they believe that they're outside. I thank you for your word in which you said no one can pluck them out of your hands and that you're ever married to the sinner and the saint. So I pray right now for that fruit of the harvest and for every decision that needs to be made according to your will, goals, desires, accomplishments, achievements. Father, I pray right now that your people will write it down as you said in Habakkuk. They'll commit themselves to the vision. They'll make it plain and you will give them the insight, wisdom, and understanding on how to achieve it. I thank you, Father, that we truly are a people that glorify you. In Jesus' name, so be it. So right now, while every head is bowed, while every